Good morning. This is author Timothy Zahn, and you are listening to Too Much Scrolling. Good for you. Scrolling for April 11th, 2023. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Love. We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. And if you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. Lots of stuff happening in the world this week, Chip. Well, and it's beautiful and spring is out and all that fun stuff. It's nice and warm here in Chicago, I'll tell you that. It is lovely. It is a great week to sit in school and stare out the window and wonder when we can get out of school. Film at 11. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. You, sir, you have seen the newest, latest, greatest pair of... No, sorry, it's not a pair of movies. It's just about shoes. (laughs) This is Air, the movie called Air. It, It seems like a very light comedy. Yes, Steve, I went to the Alamo Draft House, and I got to see Air. About the air, you know, to, um, I don't know, the greatest basketball players. Oh, I see air to the throne. Uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of humor that goes along with this, this story of shoes. Isn't there? There is, it is air as an AI air. <laughs> yes, this is the story of the Air Jordans, the the shoes that were inspired by basketball player Michael Jordan. Kids, Michael Jordan played basketball. He's not just that guy that cries. So this is actually the story of Sonny Vaccaro. And Sonny Vaccaro was the guy who put together the deal when Nike chose to expand to basketball. Hmm. Um, they were a running shoe at the time. They were known as a running shoe. They had about 900 million in sales at the time. And it's really hard for people who didn't grow up in an era to recognize that, that Nike wasn't the go-to shoe at the time. Um, it certainly was a, a broader audience at the time. Steve, when you were little, did you have Nikes? I don't think I ever had a pair of Nikes. I was more of a Reebok guy. Reebok okay. was a big brand for me at the time. Uh, I don't remember. I, I, I'm sure at some point in my history, I've I've owned a pair of Nikes, but I, I don't pay attention to my shoes very often. Well, um, Nike and Reebok. Reebok wasn't a, a big name when we were young either. It was actually, it was Adidas. Okay. Adidas, yes, as we like to say, or it was um, Converse. Hmm. And in fact, um, one of the things that I learned from this is that it was very important for Michael Jordan to sign up for Adidas. He wanted Adidas as his brand. He played in college. He played with Converse. That's what the University of North Carolina had as their brand that they used. And it was very interesting. If you look at Wilmington, you look at Lumberton, North Carolina, you're probably about Wilmington's on the coast. That's where Michael Jordan grew up. If you go about an hour inland, there is Lumberton. There was a Converse manufacturer right there. Hmm. So they were manufacturing 
many of the Converse shoes. I don't know if that was the reason why North Carolina played with them. You know, know Converse because many people had Chuck Taylors. Right. And you have a pair of Chuck Taylors every once in a while you'll, you'll yes, dig out and wear. Because and- they're fun costumes. Those are fun costume shoes. We use them on stage a lot. In fact, just when just this year when we did SpongeBob the Musical, the Chuck Taylors was the costume shoe. They're fun. So the Chuck Taylors were a basketball shoe that were designed maybe in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And there's not been a lot of innovation issues, but they they don't have very much padding in them. Right. In fact, it's it's the the I don't know the rubber bottom, very and flat, a, and then a very slim piece. Mm-hmm. The innovations were not coming on shoes. So Nike was a true innovator, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But um, they were known for their running shoes. They were developed with Phil Knight. And the University of Oregon's um, running uh, track coach, hmm. the person who did a lot of innovations, they were trying to find the the right amount of padding, and you know, trying to make some innovations for that. That had not really translated well to athletes, and so this is also a story of this business deal and about how that changed. Because while the Chuck Taylors were named after Chuck Taylor. You know, was Chuck Taylor a great basketball player? Do you know, Steve? I I do not know. I have no idea. I, I nobody knows. Okay, maybe maybe he was. Maybe. Um, but certainly, signing athletes was not as big of a deal as it turned out to be. So Converse um, had a stable of of athletes they worked with, the best athletes. So the best athletes of the time. Were if you were Dr. J, you know, Julius Irvin, if you were Magic Johnson, Irvin Johnson, if you were Larry Bird, those were the three big people okay. that they used, and you were going to be part of the stable of Converse athletes. Adidas, they may have signed a few athletes too, but they usually were paying modest sums, modest sums to them. And Nike was a nobody. So if you could imagine at the time, before Reebok, Nike was just, you know, just an afterthought. Hmm. It, it, it had started back in the uh, 60s, but certainly didn't have a basketball presence, um, except for maybe the University of Oregon, who was, you know, they were using some of the uh, Nike basketball shoes. This is the story of this this overweight, gambling guy that just happened to know a lot of basketball happened to create the Nike basketball tournament that all the great players go and they play in knew the coaches um, and they were looking for their marquee player. One of the nice things that they show in this movie is they really don't show Michael Jordan's face. He only speaks a couple times. Hmm. Um, This is not his story. This is the Nike story, and this is the the signing and creation of the Air Jordan. Now, they have the Air um, product they had created. They put it into a basketball shoe. They made a prototype of what became the Air Jordans. And if you remember, the NBA at the time was fining Michael Jordan every time he wore the shoe. It Mm -hmm. was $5,000 a game. Nike paid the fine for Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan wanted $250,000. 
That was the largest signing for anybody who was a basketball player at the time. Wow. Yeah, I know. Doesn't sound like very, I mean, it sounds like a lot, but not that much, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but what the kicker was is that, um, according to the movie, Michael Jordan's mother insisted that he get paid for every one of the Jordan shoes hmm. that was purchased. Wow. Not all the Nike shoes, just the Jordan shoes. And um, they agreed. And what was also interesting about this is Michael Jordan wasn't the first pick of the NBA draft. He was the third pick. Okay. And one of the things that Sonny Pacquiao did, and this movie did a really good job with, is showing that when North Carolina won the national championship in 1982, they defeated um, Georgetown. And that basketball team was full, and I mean full, of NBA players. Michael Jordan was a freshman. He was still picked to take the winning shot. James Worthy, who became an NBA All-Star, was the decoy. So this senior who would go on to play for the Los Angeles Lakers, who would also have his own basketball shoe, which was a New Balance, um, he was the decoy. Hmm. And Jordan, the freshman, who nobody on Dean Smith's teams who were freshmen started, he was going to take the winning shot to win the national championship. Once again, they beat um, Georgetown that year. That was Patrick Ewing also, who, you know, was an NBA All-Star playing for Georgetown. It wasn't like these teams weren't loaded at the time. But anyway, it was just fascinating. He felt, Sonny Fakira felt, that Jordan had a killer instinct. Hmm. And he had a, a desire to win. And from my understanding, it's not talked about at all in this movie. But Jordan, when he came to the Bulls, the Bulls were pretty much a laughing stock. They were not a very good team. They um, There was a lot of um, pharmaceutical play in the locker room. Hmm. And there wasn't a lot of, of uh, true preparation to be the winning franchise. And what does any owner want? They want a person like Jordan to basically say, this is not going to happen, and you're we're going to play to win. And it took them a few years, but eventually they put together the right team, and they put that team to win. This was fascinating. So like you said, this is not a movie about Michael Jordan. This is a movie about Sonny Vaccaro. So let's talk about this movie for a little bit. This is Ben Affleck directing and featured as Phil Knight and his friend, Matt Damon, Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro here. Once again, they're a great duo. Mm -hmm. They've got a good cast here. That's not just the only people in this, Steve. Chris Tucker is playing in here. Yes. And Chris Tucker's performance First of all, Chris Tucker is a friend of Michael Jordan's. Okay. So if you remember from the Dave Chappelle show, when they talked about Dave Chappelle said, was it four times or five times that he had an encounter with O.J. Simpson? And this was up in Kentucky during the Kentucky 500. Michael Jordan had a party. He shows up, as in Chris Tucker shows up, 
Michael Jordan is there. Dave Chappelle is there. And O.J. Simpson is also at this party. And O.J. Simpson says, hey, let's get a picture together. And Chris Tucker and Dave Chappelle said, yeah, we're not doing that. (laughs) Chris Tucker, who's a comedian, was brought in. uh, He plays Howard White. Mm Mm-hmm. He's brought into the negotiation. He is talking to the uh, the Jordan family. And he is just laying on uh, just whatever you think that you think that um, a family would, would respond to. He is laying down his uh, the, the crazy white people and the... Um, the family and the community and mm-hmm. what's it like to live in, in Oregon being the black man. It is so over the top that I can't remember if Sonny Vicar pulled him off or um, basically they had to move him away because it was just so just not good. <laughs> but it was very, very funny. Chris Tucker played it very, very well. Okay. Jason Bateman is our, our guy who is the man who puts together the ad campaigns. Yes, they are very primitive in this film, um, but certainly he had an understanding. This is um, truly about the team that put together Nike. And Nike at the time worked in a regular office you know, building, nothing, nothing particularly special. And really, they, they um, as we will just learn... They were paycheck to paycheck. Hmm. It was still, um, maybe it was a public company at the time. When Jordan hit, and we had the craze of people buying those Air Jordans, Nike went from a billion-dollar company to you know just what it turned into. I want to say, I'm using the, I can't remember. At the end, they're flashing the numbers um, of how many they sold that first year. But it certainly was incredible. Um, Jordan insisted on Viola Davis playing um, the mother, okay. his mother. And she did. This was a really good, good pick. Okay. Obviously. Obviously, Viola Davis is, is definitely an Academy Award winner. And uh, you know what you're going to get with a, an actor like that. I don't think this movie will, is out there to change anybody's life. Okay. Um, but I'm glad it exists. Because I think it shows what businesses have to do to take chances, to become the brands that they are. And we'll hopefully discuss that in a few more minutes. Okay. I give this 70 out of 100. I don't want to oversell this movie. This movie is a very good movie. I think that most people who um, are willing to sit through a business deal type of movie will really enjoy this. And I think there's a lot to, to take from it. Um, and it's 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 a good movie. And I'm glad they made it. Ben Affleck plays a great Phil Knight. Yeah, Phil Knight with his uh, his Zen moments, his Zen wisdom. Oh, my goodness. His big glasses what? and his tracksuit. Oh, yes. And, and, of course, barefoot, Steve. Barefoot. Okay. There you go. That's fantastic. I have heard great reviews of Air. I don't know that it's going to win any awards, but it sounds like it was a a really well put together story of shoes. I think Affleck needs to do more movies. Oh, I agree with that completely. And I think he needs to have Matt Damon next to him in order to be really successful. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Maybe they could have one on the film actors guild. 
<laughs> that movie. Oh, 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 those those silly South Park guys and their influence over pop culture and how we have uh, Team America World Police stuck in our heads for the rest of our lives. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of things that get stuck in your head for the rest of your life, I got to see a murder mystery movie on Netflix this week. It's called Murder Mystery 2. Was there a one? Yes, there was. There was a first murder mystery back in 2019, and uh, I did not watch it because this is the latest Adam Sandler Netflix movie. The contractual obligation, Adam Sandler brings his friends to Honolulu, and then they fly to Paris movie. That has got to be the greatest part about Adam Sandler's movie. It's about bringing the friends together, uh-huh. putting together a serviceable movie, uh-huh. and then going to visit some area. Uh-huh. This or, or two. It must be great to be Adam Sandler's friend because that is that is his MO. That is how he makes movies. He collects his friends together, they fly off to exotic locations, and they film a, a serviceable, silly enough, fun enough, action enough movie. That's what this is. This movie is good enough for Netflix, and Adam Sandler fans will enjoy this. So so we have Jennifer Anderson. Mm-hmm. Just Rob Snyder? Rob Snyder does not show up in this one. I was expecting Rob Snyder to show up at this one. Uh, there's the only... David Spade? David Spade? No, no David Spade either. So a lot of friends of Adam Sandler's are going to be upset that they didn't get to participate in this trip. This is an interesting story. This is the sequel to the original in 2019 murder mystery. Uh, Adam Sandler doesn't even bother to shave for this one. He's got a full actor's beard and he's walking around being Adam Sandler on vacation. This is the story of full-time detectives who are struggling to get their private eye agency off the ground. And they find themselves in the center of an international abduction when their friend is kidnapped at his own lavish, very Bollywood with choreography wedding. So actually Jennifer Anderson called him out on this. They were going to the premiere and she dressed up and he showed up in shorts. Seems seems on point for Adam Sandler in 2023. Yeah. Uh, and and so was it enjoyable? I don't like Adam Sandler. I don't like his method of storytelling. I did not enjoy this movie. I didn't laugh once at this movie. I do enjoy the spectacle of it. The, the amazing amount of time and effort that was put into making the visuals of this, the action adventure of it is pretty ridiculous. And I did not really get into i didn't feel anything for these characters i did not feel like these two people were married in love ha having marital problems any of the things that they said was happening i did not believe them i i do not i'm i'm not the right audience for adam sandler movies well i just want to be clear there there are alternatives you, you don't have to watch adam sandler so uh, yes that's one of the things that's out there i just want to throw that out it is Adam Sandler. I, I guess it's once again serviceable, fulfilling the contract. He he is the most successful Saturday Night Live 
actor uh-huh. to leave that show. Isn't that amazing to imagine that? And he was just honored at the Kennedy Center with the Mark Twain Prize for Comedy this month. And it is just unfathomable to me that he has such a huge following. My students love Adam Sandler. They find his antics to be just hilarious. Middle middle school. Middle school. Middle school well, antics. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. Ba-ba-boo! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much the Adam Sandler. Uh, there was a moment when he was doing his baby talk in this movie where he's in Paris and he accidentally baby talks his way through French and accidentally says the word innocent in French. And my French-speaking wife went, oh, he, he said innocent. <laughs> was very funny but the funny was from the enjoyment that my wife was getting from seeing this jennifer aniston she she's not one of my favorite actors either she goes through this movie with a a scowl on her face that is supposed to indicate that they're having marital issues this couple but it it seems like she's just annoyed with the the production and I, I did not see any joy from her in this movie either. Well, Selma Hayek didn't show up for this one. No, no Selma Hayek. The, wow, look at that. The The list of Adam Sandler actors that are not in this one is a long list. There, there are some of his stable of his troop of actors. But uh, let's go to Honolulu and then let's go to Paris. Uh, the movie Murder Mystery 2. That's a terrible title, too. That's awful. That's an awful title. And you can watch that on Netflix. Yes, you can. Go right ahead. Book it, book it, book it. Book it, book it, book it. Book it. Book it. Brings us to our book at our book of the week. In addition to studying Air, the movie about Air Jordans, you read the book Shoe Dog, a memoir by the creator of Nike, Phil Knight. Memoir, Steve, is that French? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So our story is the history of Phil Knight is really what it is. And a shoe dog is a person who has an obsession with shoes, either manufacturing shoes or any number of things. The cover of the book uses the Nike font. It has the Nike logo. Phil Knight is just, uh, at this point, kind of a legend. And if you think about Nike, about where it fits into brand names and quality and things of that nature, you know, you're talking about Companies like Apple or McDonald's, Coca-Cola or American Express, you know, certainly it's considered kind of a premier sports brand Mm -hmm. and a premier world brand. In fact, this is the story of this company that starts out where he was selling shoes out of his Plymouth Valiant. I just love the fact that somebody named Knight has a Valiant. A Valiant Knight. I get it. Yeah, he didn't like that car either, Steve. It was a seafoam green. (laughs) He did not like it. He didn't. In fact, he talked about how that was not his favorite type of vehicle. He sold his MG. Wow. So he had an MG at one time. Very true. I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about this book is he just broke it down to year. 
And it started out, I'm assuming, like 1964, 1965, 1966. And it went all the way up to, I think, 80 is when it ended. So this is the founding of Nike, or what would become Nike. And then ultimately, uh, it ends up uh, when they went public and a few other things going on there. Before there was Nike, Phil Knight traveled the world. So he went to the University of Oregon. He went to Stanford for an MBA and went to Portland State to study accounting afterwards because he needed some accounting skills. Okay. He um, graduated. He begged his father for a few dollars. He sold his MG. He went out and he wanted to stop in Japan to see how they were manufacturing shoes. Because he, he, for some reason, while he was a student, read some papers and just enjoyed shoes. Hmm. Because there's only been a couple of innovations uh, with shoes from when man started to, you know, today. Um, and he wanted to be make some innovations to shoes. He ran track at Oregon. But anyway, he stopped in, in Japan, got the rights to sell Tiger shoes. Steve, do you remember the brand name Tiger? No, I I don't have a recollection of this. Tell me about that. It's just it's just a brand name of huh. shoes. It huh. was a it was a Japanese brand. He bought the rights for thirteen states on the West Coast for fifty dollars. Wow, fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, he met with them when he was in Japan, and then went on another four month tour where he basically went from the east to the west back to the United States and Oregon. So he did not hike Mount Fuji when he went to Japan. He wanted to save that. And that is one of the things I I picked up from that, is he wanted to save this special. There's a special meaning to to hiking Mount Fuji. Okay. And he wanted to, to savor that. So basically, he set himself up to go back, right? Hmm. He went to the Himalayas. He went to Germany and, and France and, and Italy. And you have this liberal arts education. He got to experience the liberal arts education. Nice. It gave him a very worldly view. He got back. It's just the early 60s. He got back to Portland, uh, Oregon. He's got this big, I don't know, Adam Sandler beard. He is exhausted. He's going to tell people about his tour. But at that point, he's got to figure out what he wants to do with his life. And as he's figuring it out, he comes back to shoes. Hmm. Uh, And the shoes eventually arrive. He eventually goes out and he sells them. He sends pairs to the Oregon coach who became his confidant and became his first business partner. This Oregon uh, track coach was in charge of some of the best runners at the time. And one of the things that he used to do was he would tear down the runner's shoes overnight, rebuild them. Oh, wow. And then give them back to the players, the, the, the track players, the next day to run it. And he goes, and sometimes they worked real well. And sometimes they were bleeding. But the point being was there was so little innovation on shoes that 
the coach felt if they could shave off a little time, shave, shave off some weight, mm-hmm. um, they could make a big difference. So Phil Knight was not a, a great track star, although he ran track for a very good team. That's you know you you play college, but he wasn't a star. Okay, there there's the part of that. One of the things that we need to know about this the starting of Nike is it was always cash poor. They were growing. They continued to grow. There's um, betrayals by um, Tiger Company uh, in Japan on delivering stuff. They were always delay. Banks had a really tough time understanding uh, the growth that they were experiencing. They're like, you're growing too fast. But they were growing. Mm-hmm. But this was a lot of how cash poor they were. They weren't getting goods coming in. They were getting receipts from the um, the sale of the shoes. But they just never had any cash. And I kept thinking of Jeff Bezos when he was building Amazon. And he kept, you know, they just weren't showing any money. They, keep, they kept um, reinvesting those dollars. The difference between Bezos and Amazon and Nike is that Nike was a private company at the time. And there were just a number of times where they just couldn't meet payroll or they they just didn't have enough money to um, uh, buy the goods and, and distribute the goods. Um, but he built a good team around them that just, you know, kind of made it happen. There was a guy that, that was down in California he eventually opened a store, a Nike store. He eventually uh, put together some of the advertisements. He was really good at putting together, ultimately, a personalized newsletter for runners. So jogging was you know, not the biggest thing at the, uh, the time. It was for what weird people did. Steve, do you remember the, the waffle shoe? Were you uh, aware of shoes? I'm really not aware of shoes at all. I I know that there are people that are really into shoes and I have several students that are, that are shoe fanatics that will look up shoes whenever given a moment in my class, but no, tell me about the waffle shoe. These are more technology based. This is not style based. While style certainly had part of it. These are technology based. So the waffle shoe was a yellow shoe that had like light blue Nike stripe on it. The sole was made with a waffle iron. Hmm. So the and rubber that, was was waffle shaped for traction. Right. Huh. That was innovation. Okay. I'll take that. And they came out, I don't know what they came out in the mid 70s or something, maybe even earlier. Um, but anyway, that was what Nike built their brand on. Um, so they went from a distributor of Tiger shoes, which Tiger tried to betray them. And uh, so they had to create a a brand. And Nike was the name of the brand. Nike is the goddess of victory. Mm-hmm. She works with Athena. Goddess of war. There's plenty of times where they have people with shoes and blah, 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 that kind of play into that. But so they picked a good name. The other part about this name is it was four letters. Mm-hmm. Simplicity. They paid $35 for the logo. 
That was that gets told everywhere. Do you know this? No, I know that this is one of the most famous logos. We whenever we talk about logos, we always talk about the Nike swoosh. So if you've ever seen the lowercase Nike with a Nike uh, swoosh, yeah, okay, that was their original logo. Okay, they had to change that because it looked like Mike is what it what it did. So that's when they went to the upper, uppercase with that. Okay. Now they just use the swoosh as mm-hmm. their logo. And anyway, this was his story. Basically, it's the story of any small business owner. Now, most of us don't build big brands like Nike. But I'm sitting there reading this and I'm going, oh, this is exactly my life. This is exactly what I'm dealing with. This is exactly the cash flow issues you run into when you run a small business. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he was convinced that they had to go public. And they had to issue stock. That means you have shareholders. Mm-hmm. The shareholders play into the movie. The The shareholders don't play so much into this book. Okay. But anyway, that's when he became the wealthy Phil Knight. And um, he's given a lot of money. He talks about that. One of the things I didn't know about Phil Knight was his, his sons. Um, his oldest son did not like playing sports. And his second son liked playing sports, but was following his older son. So he kind of gave up on sports too. But Matthew Knight, who the University of Oregon's basketball arena is named after, he um, he passed away. Hmm. He was down in Central America. He was swimming, going down deep into a hole or something. And uh, anyway, he died. And hmm. Phil it was pretty touching about how, um, how, how much that hurt him. Bill said, I, I always wanted to be a good father because of the amount of work that it took to be, uh, um, to run this company. He goes, I think I was like 10% better, a better father than my father, which he wanted a better, his, his father, he was in a newspaper person so um he felt that that was a shortcoming uh, for him is that he wasn't around his kids as much as he could have but one of the things that we also want to know is that he is very influenced by the east about uh taoism and things of that nature and he when they were trying to save money when they were a young family he said i think i ate beef stroganoff every day and I became a fat guy. Mm-hmm. He goes, all of a sudden, I had to go out and relearn how to run again. And so the point of exercise became part of his life, and running was part of it. And um, as all the stories that go on in the 60s and 70s go on, there was a lot of alcohol involved, Steve. Okay. Lots and lots of alcohol. Because, I don't know, everybody just felt like they had to drink. So anyway, I enjoyed this because I kept relating to Mm -hmm. all the challenges that he was going through and how his family was viewing him and how he was and how they had to work as a team for that. And then I think what I envied most about how he built Nike was that he had this working family that was around him. 
and how they all had really good skills. You know, they said, this is what I need. I need to get paid $500 a week to make this work. And he goes, I didn't have the money. But I said yes, because I knew I needed him. Mm-hmm. And they would just make it work. Fascinating part of that. I don't think this is going to... There's there's nothing eye-opening here. There's no and, true insight that's going to change how you run, run business. But if you ever want validation on the challenges of running a business and the challenges of dealing with bankers and the challenges that getting thrown into a, um, a lawsuit cause, you've got the right thing. You've, hmm. you've got yourself a good book. And I admire Phil Knight and uh, what he built. This was, uh, like I said, I think it ended in 1980. Okay. This is very interesting to me that that you found so much insight into who you are through reading this memoir. I think that's what we can really find in biographies and memoirs is, is who was this person and how did he become this person and what can I do to be more like Phil Knight? Well, as Phil Knight would say, Steve, know thyself, right? Mm -hmm. I believe that was Shakespeare, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's I love memoirs I love biographies for me uh, they need to be a story is there a good story of this life in this book there is in the sense that you get a progression of a business okay uh you get you know basically I think he took his journals and just basically pared them down to a chapter for each year which was and- brilliant which is a, truly there's a simplicity to Japanese way of of thinking about things, which mm-hmm. Phil seems to be very influenced by, and there's a simplicity to um, making it, you know, easily digestible. You know, there was a lot of pain in his mm-hmm. building of this, but it was a desire to do things. It, you know, bring in a product, and I cannot stress enough that. All these companies out there that at one time were nothing, they built themselves into this. So, by the way, do do you know that Nike owns Converse? I No, I was not aware of that. That's interesting. Nike bought Converse a long time ago. They Hmm. bought them for the Chuck Taylors. The reason Mm -hmm. why the kids are wearing Chuck Taylors now is because this failing company, Converse, because Nike and Adidas basically just ripped them apart, Mm-hmm. It was basically picked up by Nike. Hmm. And because I tell them to get them as costumes for the stage. So I, I'm I'm intrigued by the story of Phil Knight. I am interested in this. Thank you so much for reading this book and, and having real insights here from the business perspective. That's Shoe Dog, a memoir by the creator of Nike, Phil Knight. It was published in 2016. Scroll with it. Brings us to our scroll with it. There's plenty of things happening in the world. Let's talk about almost none of them. Boy, oh boy, I have seen so much joy from our C2E2, our big Comic Con here in Chicago this week. A lot of our friends had a lot of fun over the weekend, and I missed out on it. Oh, you did? Yeah, I was in Colorado, and I missed out on on the big Comic Con here in Chicago, but 
boy, I look forward to convention season. There's so many great conventions coming up in the next few weeks. Did anything come out of it that we should know about? I, I don't know that there were any big announcements that happened. Uh, I'm not aware of any, but I saw so many smiling faces, so many great pictures, people meeting people and seeing and having those experiences. That's what the convention is for me. Speaking of experiences, the Barbie movie is coming. And this week, my social media was full of the people taking their pictures and their selfies and putting the Barbie frame on them and just, just having fun with the idea of, of this plastic model. So this summer, Margot Robbie is coming out with a, or is going to be the star of a mm -hmm. Barbie movie. And the, the, the Barbie frames you're talking about is the Mattel logo, that little sunburst type thing. Mm -hmm. And you can take your picture and you can upload it to be, I guess, a Barbie? Or anybody else's picture. That's what I've seen is a lot of pictures. The, the MST3K community has taken every character from every stupid B movie that we love and put them into these Barbie frames and just had so much fun with this. I think this Barbie movie is going to be fun. I think that the hype is uh, really huge right now for this movie. Uh, Ryan Gosling is Ken and Margot Robbie is Barbie. And they've been talking about this for over a year since they started filming uh there's we're, we're having a lot of silly fun with this john stewart uh made his own uh passover ken and it showed that on his show uh there's, there's a lot of silliness happening this week well you know you could be a barbie girl in a barbie world yes <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> muppets mayhem finally got a release date this week chip are you aware of muppets mayhem have you have i talked to you about this no what is muppets mayhem this is the sitcom based on the electric mayhem the band from the muppets finally getting a tour and a record deal 45 years into their career and they made a sitcom of these characters and i am on board with this so many of the puppeteers are my friends on facebook i i look forward to seeing animal and dr teeth and all of the characters of this band getting their moment in the sun so is this a disney plus show this is a, a sitcom on Disney+. Plus. It is these puppets living in our world, trying to make it in the music industry after 45 years. Well, maybe they'll go visit Los Angeles, Steve. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll do an Adam Sandler and go fly them all to Hawaii. <laughs> I look forward to this so much. They, they've been filming this for so long. Uh, again, I, I follow everybody that's producing this and, uh, I love the Electric Mayhem. They they might be my favorite fictional band. And what is the release date? This is coming out on May 10th. So about a month from now, I'm going to be uh, posting a lot of pictures of Muppets and everyone will make fun of me, including my mother. Thanks, Mom. Star Wars Celebration happened this weekend in London and lots of Star Wars news came out of that convention. Well, tell us about the Star Wars news. 
There are three new Star Wars films that will be released. Daisy Ridley is going to reprise her role as Rey in one of those movies. Rosario Dawson is going to be Ahsoka in a series on Disney Plus starting in August. And Lars Mikkelsen is cast as the live-action Thrawn in that series. He was the original voice actor from the Star Wars animated series where Thrawn was first put on screen and now he's going to be the live action face of Thrawn. I am excited for the star Wars news. So I'm not familiar with Thrawn. You don't know Thrawn. Oh my goodness. Uh, Thrawn is a, a very powerful uh, blue character on the empire side of things. And he is a, a very, very evil character. The original Thrawn book was a Timothy Zahn book and uh, very dark, very interesting uh, use of hypnosis and mind changing in the star wars universe thrawn is uh quite a character this is the extended universe right mm -hmm. this was this was part of the original before it was retconned right Correct. All of those stories are now legacy stories, but we are getting new stories from Thrawn. Uh, Timothy Zahn has written a few new books post Disney takeover as well. Well, how awesome is that? Uh -huh. Well, I'm sure everybody who likes Star Wars um, <laughs> will uh, enjoy that. And many people who don't will, um, let's just say, complain about it. I'm sure we won't be disappointed at all. I'm sure nothing in Star Wars has ever disappointed the fans ever. <laughs> Misa, not sure about that. I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if we can go running, Steve, and come back the next week. You can go running. You go running and start your own small business and have all the things that you need. I'm just going to have air. I would, I would I'd be just happy with air. <laughs> We would love to hear from you. Give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is toomuchscrolling.com. Our email is toomuchscrolling at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Fodor. I'm Chip Hessenflow. We'll see you in the future. Oh.